In a world where people like to watch movies, one group of friends will go on an epic journey to watch these movies. It's the Flick Fiends Podcast with Uncle Joe, Big Joe, and Jared. Now it's time to listen to the Fiends. This week, we welcome our friend Scooter to the podcast. Jared is taking a break, but we'll return. Hello, everyone. Scooter, can you tell us why we've brought you on here today? Bro, you all have brought me on here because I am a connoisseur of a very popular Japanese kaiju, Godzilla. Right you are. Got it in one. Well, uh, since it's been a few weeks since it released, we should probably talk about the uh, sequel to the 2014 Godzilla movie, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uncle Joe, your thoughts? Uh, it was a vast improvement over the 2014 version. They They managed to get a lot more kaiju action in there and they didn't try to hide him for 50% of the movie like they did last time 50 or 80% whatever it was they spread the eye candy out a little bit more you get a little bit more focus on the monsters rather than the the humans this time around it's a good balance I think all right and Scooter please you have the floor. Please give us your thoughts. <laughs> well, Uncle Joe here has already kind of pointed out, you know, basically my main complaints with 2014. Aside from the fact that we've got a a very beefy Godzilla, I don't really care for it all, all that much. But just the fact that they would just so deliberately just tease him over and over again and then ultimately get rewarded with a very dark fight at the end where you can't really even see anything was just very frustrating. Me and one of my friends went to go see it in the theater when it came out, and he's a Godzilla fan himself. And we literally got to a point where we would just kind of roll our eyes and tilt our heads toward each other, just kind of looking at each other like, really? You know? So with the new one, it's just... The best way I could put it is, I mean, it actually feels like someone over there in the studio actually loves Japanese Godzilla movies, because this movie was a lot more about the monsters. Godzilla was actually the star of his own movie for once. He wasn't taking a back seat to stupid, you know, people stories in the, the mess of the first one. With that said, I mean, having watch so many Godzilla movies I, I would say it still doesn't land in my top five Godzilla movies but it's hands down the best American Godzilla movie they've made so far strong words going back to what you said about whoever made this being a fan I agree with you and they actually had some of the music from the old Godzilla movies in this one a little bit yeah. where they had the Godzilla theme oh I love that when that started well they had the two different Godzilla things. There, there's one where he's like the hero Godzilla, and there's mm -hmm. the one where he's the destroyer Godzilla, mm -hmm. if I remember mm -hmm. it right. And they had both of those. And I thought that was a pretty cool nod. 
they, they even nodded to Mothra's theme at some point yeah, too. Yeah. Which I'm sure imagine we probably should have mentioned spoiler alerts, but I imagine everybody's seen the trailers at least. Mothra is in the movie. This is why we're on the trailing edge, not the bleeding edge. <laughs> yeah, when I uh when I went to see this, I was kind of struck by the different structure of this one. Now that they've done the work of just kind of introducing this version of Godzilla, they don't have to spend so much time with, you know, setting up other things in the world. You know, can actually make a fun movie. Yeah, because in this movie, you know who Monarch is. You know who the organization that's tracking all the monsters is Monarch. And you know that all of the monsters have some affiliation, some association with radioactive sites and that they are healed or get a lot of their power from radiation. And you know that that Godzilla showed up in 2014, and you know obviously there would be a ton of research and action of it. I do want to kind of get into the story a little bit. I open up with like a, a hearing, and it's a couple of, I guess, senators or congresspeople that are, grilling the scientists of monarch about what they know when they knew what they know what more that they know that they're not telling everyone because obviously i think you're meant to think in this one that monarch has if it's not a portion of some government of the world then it is at least in cooperation with a lot of the governments of the world which was a a part of the first movie that I I wanted that filled in a little bit better. They managed to introduce a new character. He's a scientist that is sort of a liaison, and he kind of acts like he he's almost acting like a lawyer for Ken Watanabe and his assistant. But then they get some kind of alert that tells them that there's been an incident, and then I think they cut over to. Uh, Vera Farmiga and uh, Millie Bobby Brown's story. Thought it was a good way to get, you know, to get the audience reacquainted with sort of where we we are from the 2014 film, and then it goes from there. Which it, it does have like a very brief little uh, scenario before all that happens, where basically um, the uh, family they more or less lose one of their children during uh Godzilla 2014 when when Godzilla's fighting the Mutos. Right. Um and so this this guy that Ken Watanabe's character calls in like he he has kind of this bitter grudge against Godzilla. Right. That actor's name is Kyle Chandler. Mhm. That's what I'm going to be calling him because I actually don't remember his character's name unfortunately. Well, that's how you know it's a good Godzilla movie, because you don't know any of the characters' names. It's all about the monsters. Yeah. You brought up the fact that the people that made this movie obviously liked the Japanese Godzilla movies, and we definitely get a lot of that interspersed. After we get a little bit more teasing out of Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown's characters, where they're they're just at home and... Millie has uh, made her mother some breakfast, burnt toast, 
essentially. They introduce the, uh, oh, now, of course I'm going to forget what it's called. They introduce the thing that generates the signal. Was it the Orca or something? The Orca, yeah. Well, it's just basically a device that mimics the subsonic sounds that the monsters make to detect and communicate with one another. Yep, which is, you know, before they show any monsters, that's kind of tying back to, I think we can all agree that Godzilla 1985 is is a really good movie in the canon of Godzilla movies. and oh, It's one of my favorites, if it isn't my favorite. <laughs> That ties back to that movie where they used the uh, bird song, yeah, you know, modified bird song, to draw Godzilla into the city. You know, some of these things are kind of deep pulls, but they're pulling in elements from from the Japanese movies to fill out the world. And then the next thing that shows uh, influence from the Japanese movies is that they, Vera Farmiga and Millie go to a Chinese base for Monarch and they actually get to witness the Mothra pupa come out of its chrysalis or out of an egg, I should say. The chrysalis is where the, the moth comes from. Yeah, and it, it's basically one of the only times you actually see Mothra kind of in the classic larva state. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they, that's where you kind of get the uh something's happening and they they can't control the larva and it's going to wreck the base and Vera Farmiga runs in to the containment chamber and starts up the orca and it's played for drama that they have a chance to it's you know it's untested she doesn't know the frequency that it'll respond to but she wants it to be an alpha frequency so that the monster will not attack and the device finally works it out what the frequency is and it calms Mothra down but not before she like webs like everybody to the wall <laughs> right more <laughs> webs than Spider-Man she's like I've been doing this since before Spider-Man <laughs> that's right you did point that out to me Mothra yeah. predates Spider-Man by like by... literally like a year if if that I think it was like 64 versus 1965 yeah that's a point of trivia for you yeah there's your cool fact for the day kids and then we get uh we get introduced to the guy that's ostensibly the villain because uh tywin lannister tywin lannister yeah. shows a up a yeah a charles dance right and he's an eco-terrorist in this one he thinks that we need a new plague to take out all the humans. And he chooses a three-headed dragon to do it. Yeah, he doesn't quite know what he's bargained for there, but, you know, later in the movie, it's like, you know, well, whatever, I'll work with what I've got. And you know the thing that is really... I thought it was really kind of aggravating because there wasn't really any build-up to it or anything like that. But uh, you said her name was uh, Vera or Vega? Vera. Vera. So yeah. Vera decides to more or less free um, King Ghidra and uh, 
you know, is more or less working with Charles Dance's character and they don't explain it at all till a little bit later with some banner between her and the, and the villain, but her motives just aren't really built out very well. And I just being just really annoyed by that the entire time. Well, I think eventually once you get deeper into the movie, she has the same kind of complex about Godzilla that her husband does. Kyle Chandler does, Mm -hmm. but she is lashing out rather than taking it out on herself. In this instance, she basically wants to resurrect all these monsters to basically kill Godzilla. And that's kind of her revenge arc. The dad wants Godzilla to suffer as well, but you know, he's, he's not going to destroy the world to do. No, he's, he's, Instead of lashing out, he's lashing inward. He's gone and is living out in the wild studying wolf packs away from his family. And that's sort of part of his journey of healing or, you know, spiral into darkness. Whichever one you think we've picked him up at. But at that plot point, we actually start seeing more monsters. And in this movie, they called them Titans, which I thought was a good moniker to give them since they're not going to necessarily use the term kaiju. They might as well attach another term that means sort of the same thing. Well, I mean, they could just use the translation monster. Yeah. Monsters don't really exist. So the existence of these, I do air quotes, Titans, you know, you could simply just call them monsters. I think the, titan aspect fits just because they are so big to describe something as titanic is to mean that it is larger than life it's much bigger than human but that's just a quibble and when they start their plot to wake up all the titans there are how many that are woken up isn't it 17 I don't remember if the, did they actually give a number how many were up and moving around? I I think they did, but I don't remember what it was. It may have been that they were tracking 17 at the time that it was opened. I'd like to do a quick rundown of all the monsters that we do see in this movie now that we've come to the point in the movie where you start seeing them. You uh you of course see Mothra in the larva form and then I think the first one that they even wake up with the orca is Rodan. After King Ghidorah, yeah. After King Ghidorah. Like, they wake him up first, and Godzilla okay. and him have at it down there in the Arctic. And they end up going to some base. I remember it was kind of... It's in Mexico It's in Mexico, somewhere. yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, I didn't think it was... Well, it was kind of cool, but at the same time, in my mind, I always think of the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. But Rodan, traditionally, in Toho's movies, he's just basically a very large um, pterodactyl with you know a little bit bigger body. But in this one, they took and they, they added flames to Rodan. He doesn't actually, like, you know, he doesn't, like, seem to have any powers like blowing 
fire breath or anything like that but he just seems like he's consistently on fire yeah and when he gets injured it seems like he had lava blood or something yeah like, that, like which is weird because lava. if you if you go back to the original rodan movie mm-hmm. lava is what kills them yeah well i want to say didn't they shoot one of them down maybe but what they did was they set off the volcano to trap them inside one of them was able to leave and the other was not and the one that could leave he didn't want to leave his mate so they just both died in there ah, and at the right. end there's there's an egg and it hatches and i guess that's the rodan that we get for the toho godzilla movies so um there was this old i want to say it's it was a 70s cartoon like godzilla like by hannah barbera and in one of the episodes uh godzilla fights a firebird that looks very similar to rodan and uh he ends up like burying him in the base of like a volcano if my memory serves me right but that was the first thing i thought when rodan comes out of the volcano i'm like okay he's covered in lava that's cool and then later you see him flying around i was like oh well he still kind of has that fire on him. It's like, okay, that's just going to be a thing with him. And it just made me think of Hanna-Barbero every time I saw him. I want to say that there is another source for the Fire Rodan version, but my knowledge doesn't run that deep, and we'll keep it tidy and just just say we'll look at it later. <laughs> we will mine those depths another day. Yes. Greedily. So, yeah... The other thing that's interesting that was always played with in the Godzilla movies that came after the first one, where basically, you know, you had, you've got the original Godzilla, and then you've got the stuff like Godzilla 1985, and then more recently you have Shin Godzilla, where it's just Godzilla alone. And then everything else, I think, in terms of like Godzilla versus, like Godzilla is fighting some monster. And that's the vast majority of Godzilla films. But there's small subset where it's just Godzilla. Well, those, I tend to kind of look at those um, like a, uh, well, clearly it's a, a different kind of Godzilla movie. But um, in those, those tend to have more of the theme of Godzilla being a force of nature. And it's mm-hmm. basically Godzilla versus, you know, humankind. And, you know, humankind, you know, like they're trying to control, say, like a hurricane or a volcano or something. You know, they're trying to control or subdue or contain Godzilla. And just like a force of nature, Godzilla is just going to do what Godzilla does at the end of the day. Right. Wreck everything. We get a good bit of that in this movie, but also we get the main theme is that it's a struggle between titanic forces, quite literally, because that's the first thing that uh, Godzilla does when he sees another monster is he starts to fight it. You know, they're kind of telling you the fights, but they're also developing this idea that there is one monster that will rule them all which is you know a big part of a lot of the godzilla movies was that godzilla needed to fight for supremacy so you've got a lot of really nice action sequences built up around the godzilla fights in this one like they had 
that squad that of about four soldiers that sticks with the monarch scientists, they got a couple moments to have some action set pieces in and around the first Godzilla and King Ghidorah fight. One thing that they do that I guess this actress's, I guess this actress's contract only said two movies, but during that first fight, Ken Watanabe's assistant, Sally Hawkins dies. That kind of comes out of nowhere, but there's a lot more movie to get through at that point. And I took that as them saying, okay, now the stakes are real. Cause you know, we've, we've had these monsters kill people via just general destruction while they're flailing around, like what happened in the, uh, the first movie, but King Ghidorah killing Sally Hawkins is the first time in, in this movie where we've had a monster just outright kill a person directly. That was something different. They killed off a character they'd been building from the first movie. Since we're talking about the Ghidorah fight, what did you think about Ghidorah's uh, design for this film? Well, it's definitely just a lot better. You know, I, I remember growing up uh, seeing Ghidra, the three-headed dragon. I think maybe it's three-headed monster. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But uh, I remember always being excited when that one would show up because it had, like, any time there was more monsters, I loved it. And that was one of the ones where uh, you had Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan teaming up to take down Ghidra. I think it was the and, first monster team up movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you could say that. And in that movie, um, I want to say that's Ghidra's very first movie. And his suit was just always so funky looking to me. Like they've built him up over decades and decades. Like, oh, you know, this is the yin to Godzilla's yang kind of thing. And you look at this character that's just like this big old bag with legs. It's got two tails, <laughs> three necks. And there's nothing about that that comes off as ferocious to me in any way. And he's just so stiff, which, I mean, I'm not going to take credit away from the people that did that work. Because, God, that was I couldn't even imagine the puppeteering that went alongside having a guy in a suit walking around. Right, but... It's only frightening or menacing when they do like shots of the heads. Like if you, yeah, like they would do the necks kind of flailing as they're spraying like lasers everywhere. But uh, probably the biggest thing is you just look at it and you just, I don't see how this creature, if it was actually real, how it actually would maneuver around. So in this movie, I really enjoyed actually seeing Ghidra in a format that was more articulate, you know could actually move around the necks whip around like a serpent's yeah the uh the let the legs kind of buckle under the the wings actually kind of fold in or are used almost kind of like bat wings so he's got arms in a way which in the other they just look like two fans on either side of his body he can't yeah. do anything with them yeah that's not an optimal placement in fact one of the most cool things to me was uh it's the second or third fight with King Ghidorah. I keep distinguishing between the two because King Ghidorah becomes the more popular name later on. But uh, 
in the third fight, Godzilla like whacks him really hard, and one of his head, well, two of his heads get stuck in a building, and the third head is doing kind of like a backed, like cornered snake. It's like hissing at him, like I dare you to lean in here. I'm gonna bite the out of you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I loved that. There's just no way they've been able to do that with you know the traditional Ghidorahs that they've done in the past. Even the the last time we saw him was what in Final Wars. They kind of fold him out at the very end, and it's kind of CG generated, but it just it looks terrible. Yeah, he was in Final Wars. He was a lot more menacing as Monster X. Oh yeah, and I do love they actually mention him or name uh, King Ghidorah Monster X throughout this new Godzilla movie. You mean Monster Zero? Yeah. Well, Monster X, he's been called both. But yeah, I do like that they nod to uh, Monster Zero calling him that. And they kept his alien origins. Yes. And that was the one thing I thought was weird, because during, I think, that third fight is when King Ghidorah uses his, you know, the subsonic sounds or whatnot. And he basically turns Rodan to fight against Godzilla and Mothra. And Rodan has always fought. Ghidorah, and if you really, if we wanted to put chips on this whole Titan thing, the rest of them are terrestrial, right? Right. Why would, well, actually, Rodan does kind of fight Ghidorah the first time, doesn't he? Yeah, he... He falls into the ocean, like Ghidorah, like, air quotes here, kills him, and then he shows up later all subservient. Yeah, that's more of the development of the, the alpha thing. Whenever these things show up and there's more than one of them in an there area, can only like be one. yeah, they they almost like draw to each other like magnets to fight. Well, I almost kind of looked at it like you know they like to describe Godzilla and these Titans as guardian forces, and I kind of almost looked at all these different Titans as being an immune system for the world and Monster Zero is the infection. So, I mean, why wouldn't they all just, as soon as they even get a whiff of Ghidra, you know, just go after him? Well, I think a lot of it is they're kind of, obviously not in this movie, but I think, you know, if they ever develop on the backstory of the, uh, I think they call this the legendary monster verse. Um, yeah, I think, I think so. But uh, anyway, if Legendary kind of develops the backstory of this, we could see that, you know, the the Titans kind of stick to their own territories except under great stress, which is why, you know, some of the sites that the monsters are at at the beginning of the movie, that's where they find them because they're the guardian of that particular territory. That's where they've stake to the claim so to speak but that's just a fan interpretation but one thing that i would say to counter the idea that all the monsters should just go after uh monster zero immediately is that you do see in one of the fights with godzilla you know godzilla managed to tear a head off of Ghidorah, but the head mm -hmm. grew back for the next fight you know, maybe Ghidorah has some kind of shape-shifting properties that make it to where that 
you know, it kind of evolves to, uh, maybe he's like Shin Godzilla. Maybe, but you know, they've done themselves a great service with the writing here. They've given themselves a lot of Avenue, a lot of, a lot of quote unquote runway yeah, to take off into, which is one of the reasons why we're obviously heaping some praise onto it because they took a mediocre start and made, made a great middle with it. Yeah. And you know, I was not a huge fan of the first one, but I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Um, and I look forward to seeing the third one. It really, you know, just as a, like a lifelong Godzilla fan, there's just so many little nods that I loved. Like they, make gestures to the classic Godzilla soundtrack several times. Um, yeah, just to think of some other things, like the fact that, I'm going to butcher these people's names, Zia Zhang, she plays Dr. Eileen Chin. She actually turns out to be a twin, and her twin, the way they reveal the twinning, is that she's on the big super helicarrier thing that Sarazawa and the other monarch scientists are on. But then her twin shows up at the site where the, where the Mothra larva has put itself in chrysalis. And then they show a shot of all of their family and every, every single woman in that family is a twin. Yeah. And of course that being a nod to the twins that, you know, were on Mothra's Island. Basically, you know, you spoke to them and they would convey your wishes to Mothra. There was that and even the part where where Ghidra kills Mothra, another air quotes there because you don't really kill Mothra. But Mothra basically puts her energy into Godzilla to give him a second wind, which is a nod to, I think it's Mothra versus Godzilla. It was a... It's a more recent Godzilla movie, and it was one of the ones where Godzilla is actually the villain, and Ghidra and Mothra are fighting against Godzilla, and Godzilla destroys Ghidra, and Mothra resurrects Ghidra with her life force. So I thought that was interesting. And then toward the end there, you know, they make a nod toward Godzilla versus Destroya which is uh, in in that movie, Godzilla, basically his energy is building up to a point where he's going to melt down. And they basically make it where Godzilla's more or less gets into that state too. So we kind of see him like, uh, what's the term? Critical. Yeah, critical. Like he is literally like he looks like molten lava on legs. <laughs> yeah, that I was already on board with it by that point in the movie, but when they, you know, he's he's boiling and he's, you know, the rain hits him and steam starts coming off. It's like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna do something with him. Nobody's living in Boston after this. <laughs> no, no, and they worked on the effect a little bit of of him using his breath too. Like you got the breath very sparingly in. Uh, in the first one. Yeah, which was another thing. It was just such a disappointment to me. They waited to the very last minute. But it's on big display here, and just the fact that 
you know, when he uses it after he's been supercharged. The other thing I thought was fairly brave with this movie was that they killed off Sarazawa. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that you really want to have Ken Watanabe without Sally Hawkins character, but you know, I thought, I thought like, wow, you've, you already killed off one character from the first movie. Well, they, you know, they go spread the money around to the remaining big names that they pulled in for this one. Oh, the other thing that they brought in from the old Godzilla movies was the oxygen destroyer. We forgot to yes, mention that. Yes, they did. Um, and they basically, they kill Godzilla. Like he is like critically wounded and, uh, you know, Joe, you, you mentioned this, like it's one of the things you always have a problem with this movie that, that they have this, I wouldn't even call it a subplot cause they don't invest in it necessarily. But this whole idea that Godzilla can go from point A to point B on the globe because of all these hollow earth things where he basically just, you know, goes through these tunnels and boom, boom, he's where he wants to be. Yeah. It's, to draw that out for anybody that's listening that is listening to this but hasn't seen the movie for some reason basically when they go looking for Godzilla after the oxygen destroyer goes off and they think they've killed him they they find this underground cave that just happens to have ancient egyptian looking statues in it and it's sort of implied that this this city has been here or was sunk beneath the waves from time immemorial. I always viewed it as um, basically Atlantis, possibly even sunk by the Titans. Yeah, that, that's what I said too. Is like, I mean, we're watching a Godzilla movie. It doesn't all have to make sense. And I just kind of filed it away as, oh, it was above ground at some point and it's sunken into the ocean. But we can't defend the guy that's, that's, uh, soldering stuff in the rain (laughs) i was gonna bring that up we'll get into that next yeah so the i'll tell you the thing that i have the nitpickiest reaction to it's not that there's an atlantis down there and that it was sunk by the titans and that they worshiped godzilla it's the fact that there's the implication that the chamber that they find godzilla in is this big source of radiation. And that's where he's gone to kind of heal up. And the implication is if they were to just leave him alone, he would, it would take him, you know, a couple hundred years, but he would Mm -hmm. heal up, which they don't have a hundred years because, uh, King Ghidorah has sent out his alpha signal and he's going to be ruling the place for a while. He's, uh, he's taking up residence. He likes what he sees and he's going to take it. We're going to have a Godzilla anime movie on our hands. Yeah. Anyway, so Sarazawa takes a nuke down there and the nuke supercharges him. Anyway, the nitpicky thing that I have about this is this is an advanced civilization. I'll give them that. They built some really big buildings. But the chamber that Godzilla is in is highly radioactive and they have these Godzilla faced statues inside the little temple place if the radiation was so bad that sarazawa couldn't go in there without dying which is what he went in there to do because he was going to set off a bomb anyway how did anyone survive long enough to make those damn statues well maybe it wasn't always radioactive 
and do they even say that it's radioactive or they just oh yeah they they do like they keep saying like if you go in there you're going to die Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can die from radiation and then radioactive. I don't know. Just like the soldering in the rain, I got to file it away. I, like, I have new insights on some of this because of Chernobyl. <laughs> it's a nitpick. It doesn't, because of the way I operate, I'll remember it forever, but it's pro- <laughs> it won't. Uh, I There's promise you. It will never be forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't. It, it won't hinder my enjoyment of the movie. It's I, like I the seven, you. the seven hundred dot whatever whatever IP addresses in Iron Man three. Whoever oh, you it's are, still burns. We will never forgive you. <laughs> still we burn. are networking. We will never forgive you. <laughs> you can't subnet that. <laughs> that's a that's a goof for the ages. There. Got any final thoughts? You can't solder in the rain. That's my final thought. Well, I would probably just close on, um, you know, if you just want to watch a fun movie, it is definitely a fun movie. It doesn't take itself overly serious. There's not a lot of drawn out pathos or anything. And uh, and I would say stay after because there is a post credit scene. I liked the human characters in this one better. Yes, I did too. I thought they were better written. But uh, yeah, I give it two thumbs up. It's the best American outing of Godzilla so far. Here's hoping the third one one-ups it. That would be awesome. I'm rooting for it now. I'm on its side now. <laughs> Uncle Joe, what about you? You got any final thoughts? I do. Most of them uh, are too long to fit into this, but uh, absolutely fun movie like uh like scott said and if you like these you should definitely take a look at the old toho movies and compare and enjoy oh yeah well gentlemen thanks for having me on thanks for coming on yeah man it's a pleasure always enjoy your input if you'd like to message us with any comments or suggestions you can email us at flickbeans at gmail.com love to hear from you.